Chris McDonough, a retired homicide detective. I've interviewed thousands of people, from serial killers to ministers. Welcome to the interview room. Welcome to the interview room, everybody, on this beautiful Sabbath evening. So grateful that you're here with us. We thank everybody for being here. Our mods, Miss Sophia, Maui Girl, Teresa M, Mimi J2. Without you, none of this is possible. And of course, all of our subs, our subscribers, our members, not only in Patreon, but here on YouTube. Without you, we cannot continue. We love you and we appreciate you very much. Wow, have we got a lot to cover tonight. A lot to cover and we're gonna have a little fun. We're gonna go over the testimony as well as uh, Play a couple little um, word games. So, I've got my sweetheart with me, my better half, as you can tell. She's one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful woman in the world, my sweet Karen. You How are so sweet, tonight, honey. Man? And hello, everybody. It's so great to be with you, as always. We're doing great. Today's been a wonderful day. Hope everyone's enjoying their weekend. And have rested, time with your families, hopefully, and those closest to you. And we're all gearing up for tomorrow's trial, the continuing saga, back in court with Alec Murdoch. Thank you, AF. We're grateful. Wow. This was a, um, a really interesting week. Um, what did you think, Karen? What did, what did you think about how did, how the how's the jury viewing what's going on so far well i gotta tell you first i was in the camp that i didn't think alec murdoch was going to take the stand i didn't think he was going to testify in his own trial so i gotta say i was wrong i was in that group uh but certainly he did certainly we've heard all kinds of information from him and clearly he lied as he said so about many, 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 many things here. I'm wondering how the jury is rolling all this around in their heads about what he lied about and maybe what he didn't lie about. 
they're going to have a lot to sort through. That is for sure. Yeah. A lot of folks of uh, single mama four. Hi, how are you? It's great to see you. Um, and it's, you know, I was, it didn't surprise me, uh, but I was kind of undecided. I, but the more it went on, the more I thought, you know what, this guy's got enough um, chutzpah, for lack of a better term, just to get up and sell. So we've got a little, um, we, you're going to need a piece of paper. Let's do that first. So if anybody, if you're at home real fast, take a moment. Uh, I'm going to play a quick little music tune here, and you're going to need a pen and a piece of paper. Then I'm going to give you some words. And we're going to play... Uh, what I'm going to call word salad. Okay. Is this a game? Is this a game we're playing? It can be. Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. It sounded like it. I, w I wasn't sure. So, okay. We got to make yeah. sure everybody knows what we're doing. Thank you, Madeline. Uh, why would Alex get rid of Maggie's phone and not Paul's? That is a great question. And the, I do not have that answer right now, other than he knew, um, that, uh, you know, he, he had to get rid of that. He wanted to get rid of Paul's, in my opinion. I mean, he that's why he picked it up. Okay, that's why he picked it up. But you're going to need uh, a little piece of paper for the game Word Salad uh, tonight. And then we're going to get right into the courtroom. So uh, I'll give you a, just a second here. Let me play a real quick uh, little music tidbit. And while we're uh, running and doing that, and uh, this is a family show, so uh, the kids could even join in if they wanted to, <laughs> you know. Um, but so here are going to be the words that if you hear it, uh, they give yourself a point. All right. So I'm going to go through a quick list here, and then we're going to get into uh, the game. And what I mean by that is the courtroom. Okay. <clears throat> Unintentional. I think... I believe, I don't know, I don't remember. I can't tell you details. I would think, I would assume, I may have, not positive, but perhaps. <laughs> and to be clear, I'm not certain. May or may not be right. Not exactly sure. It sure helps to look at these reports. I know for a fact. I'm not certain. I think so. All right. So that's a short list. And so while he's talking about pawpaw, uh, tonight we're going to look at it from the popo's position. And, um, so if you've got some of those words down, uh, give yourself every time you hear it. Let's see how many you come up with. Um, because I created a list here. And uh, okay, I'll slow down. I can't tell you details. I would think. I would assume. I may have not. I'm not positive. But perhaps. I love that one the most. Uh, that, that, that one's a really good one. May or may not be right. Not exactly sure. It sure helps to look at these reports. If yeah, 5,000 times. Jenny, sorry, we've already got a winner. 
Exactly. And by the way, this is only going to be the short version of uh, Word Salad, uh, but uh, it is definitely going to be, I think, a little entertaining here on uh, this wonderful, wonderful evening. So, Karen. Wait, uh, let's also add, let's also add uh, not intentional or unintentional. And here's another one from TJH. And I will say this. <laughs> I did not have that one, so you get a point. Uh, I got to put that one down. That's a good one. That's a good one. That was it. We heard that one a lot. We heard that. We heard it a lot. Oh, yeah. The whole show would be these words. Exactly. Okay. All right. And we'll, and the pills, of course, will uh, get into the pills. I mean, you know, 100, 200, 300 pills a day. I don't know about that one, but that said, that said, um, so the Popo uh, is going to be looking at this and listening. Uh, retired Popo, but um, Popo nonetheless. All right. So, Karen, where do you think we should start? Should we get right into the testimony for a second? I cannot Let's get right into that. it. There's, there's another one. <laughs> I got to get that one from Sheila. Oh, man. All right. Now. We have to have a little humor because this is such a tragedy. And to listen to this for so many days of this, you know, doublespeak, uh, it's really, uh, we've got, pa I think we've got Papa on there. Yep, Papa's on there. Um, oh, no, I didn't put Papa on there. I'm sorry, Lori, you're right. Papa's got to be on there. We didn't hear any Popo. How about uh, mags? If you're going to use Papa, we got to use mags. We got to use we mags. Gotta use, the, gotta use bus. The, you mentioned uh, bus. Data tells me. The data tell, tells me. You know. Okay, I can promise you this. I did have that one. I did have that one down. I did have that one. Down. Oh yeah, row, row, row. Row, Lulu row. Bell says row, row. How could we forget that? Who's row, row? Rogan. Oh, Roro. Rogan. I, 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 well, I can't dispute that. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Round one. Um, it's the opening of cross examination. Are you guys ready? And if you're new with us, we only ask that you hit that subscribe button. And uh, join us in the fun. Shannon, I didn't lie to him. I just lied by omission. <laughs> okay. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, what was Alex's nickname? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. I don't know. Does anybody know what Alex's uh, nickname was? I wonder if well, he may we'll be getting out. a new one. He may be getting a new one soon. I don't know. Yeah, we'll call him, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, yeah. If you say that, I was not accurate. <laughs> exactly. You can't make this up. I mean, we all watch this. You On national TV, the world's watching him. And you cannot make this yeah, stuff they up. Did, they did call him Big Red. That was definitely one of his uh, oh, monikers, for sure. <laughs> that's it, Big Red. Okay, unequivocally. Here we go. Let's go to the courtroom, everybody. 
And we're going to do the stream stop question or a comment. And then you guys jump into in the chat over there. Uh, and of course, forgive me if I miss uh, your thought process. Um, it's not on purpose. It's just a lot, of, a lot going on here. Okay, guys. All right, here we go. Please court. Mr. Murdoch, let's start with a few things I think we can agree on. All right, sir. You agree that the most important part of your testimony here today is explaining your life for a year and a half that you were never down at those kennels at 844. Would you agree with that? I think all of my testimony is important, Mr. Waters. Would you agree that that's an important part of your testimony? Sure. All right. And would you also agree that the first time that law enforcement officers that you've talked to and the prosecution and here in open court ever heard you say that you lied about being in the kennels was today in this court? Yes, I'm aware of that. Okay, how many points did you already get? Because we got, I think, I'm aware of that. And uh, out of the most important question of this entire trial, which everybody has been waiting for, is he going to take the stand, number one, which he did. And then the second piece of this is, were you down at the kennel? And for a whole, what, how long has it been? Year and a half? Not one time was he ever down there. Not one time. Not one time. Exactly. Um, okay. So you're going to need a notebook and a piece of paper. So I think we have the, uh, the highest is four right now. And uh, yeah, that'd be great. We do have a bingo uh, emoji, though. Feel free to use the bingo emoji tonight. Feel free to do that. And if you have popcorn, uh, get that on your lap as quickly as possible. This is going to get very interesting. Agree with that? Yes, sir. All, right. All this time later, this is the first time you've ever said that. Yes, sir. And you would agree with me that for years you were stealing money from clients. Yes, sir. I agree with that. And that you were stealing from your law firm. Yes, sir. I agree with that. And that had been going on since at least 2010. I'm not sure the exact date, but it's been going on a long time. I'll agree with All that. Right, what's your best guess of the date? I'm not sure. I, I, have, you don't I, I don't take a dispute with 2010. I just don't know that for sure. All right. I'm sure about a lot of things, but you don't know that. Is that correct? I, I'm fine with that date, Mr. Waters. I, I don't have any reason to dispute it. I'm just not certain of it. Okay, there were like four or five right there. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I'm not sure again. All right. Let's, let's just keep on things that we may be able to agree about. And let's talk first about your family's legacy here in the legal profession, okay? Talk about anything you want to. Good. Uh, 
Tell me about your uh, great-grandfather. Was he the solicitor for the very circuit that we're in? Yes, sir. And what was his name? Randolph Murdoch, Sr. All right. What did he go by? Randolph. Randolph. And did you ever know him, or did he pass before? Oh, no, sir. He got killed in 1940. And how long was he solicitor? 20 years. 20 years? Yes, sir. And then your grandfather, who was that? Randolph Murdoch, Jr. All right. And did he go by, what did he go by? Buster. That's who Buster is named after. Okay. So, Karen, let's uh, level set um, how we got to this topic uh, from your position. What do you think? My wife, well, the amazing darling, she's always been, what do we got? I thought prosecution did a very nice job of laying out the Murdoch dynasty and how powerful it was. And we all know how he's setting the table, if you will, the prosecutor, and what, what, what's coming. Um, I would add that, and, and he does talk about this, we have known, you, we've all heard that the Murdoch dynasty had an undue influence over Hampton County for a very long time, for maybe 100 years, right? Great-grandfather, grandfather, and dad of him, of Alec, uh, were all solicitors, okay? Well, you know, we're going to find out that Alec really never was. He was a, in a volunteer position, but I won't, I won't get ahead of where, where we're going to go with that. I think it's also um, a good time just to kind of mention this, and I think some of this has definitely come out in the Netflix series, which, by the way, Chris and I both highly recommend, get Amazing. over to Netflix immediately. Well, not right now, but when you're done watching our show, it is so enlightening about the family, all the circumstance, all the, the, the other mysterious deaths surrounding this family. Okay. I think what's also what I'm just going to interject here, and then we'll get back, is that the, the the Murdoch family were plaintiff attorneys and in Hampton, little tiny Hampton, South Carolina, population 2,700, okay? And they were known for personal injury cases and car wrecks and that kind of thing. That's what they be, became known for. Well, you could, ha you could be in a car wreck almost anywhere in the state of South Carolina, call up the Murdoch law firm, and your case would be tried in Hampton County. That's where the Murdochs practiced. Well, guess what? Murdoch County is where the Murdochs knew everybody. They knew everybody in the legal system and they knew all the jurors. And so they were able to, I don't want to say influence the jury. I'm not saying that there were improprieties. We don't know that. But the Murdochs knew everybody in town. The jury was, was made up of people in town who knew the family and probably feared the family, too. We've heard a lot about that. So guess what? The, the Murdoch law firm and the Murdoch attorneys settled these huge settlements. The jury gave huge, large settlements very favorable for the plaintiff. So they were able to make millions. So I think that's an interesting side note. Just to It, it really helps kind of understand when we talk about the Murdoch dynasty. I call it a fiefdom based on this undue influence that had been going on. And I would just add, it's going to be really interesting post this trial. 
whatever happens, whichever way the the jury decides on this, it's going to be interesting if they, if the chokehold, if you will, is over, if the dynasty has crumbled, I don't know. Randy Murdoch still practices law and, you know, who knows? But anyway, I thought that was kind of an interesting piece when we're talking about the Murdoch dynasty. And I love where the prosecutor goes with this because he lays out all of this history, family history. And then, of course, what we see happening in front of us that Mr. Murdoch did all by himself, it's, it's crumbled. Okay. And he gets into that. And was he My solicitor? Man. Yes, sir. He was the solicitor for 46, 46 years. From 1940, he took over. When my great-granddaddy got killed, and he served until 1986. He okay. was the longest-serving prosecutor in the country. And you knew him obviously well. He was your grandfather, correct? Oh, I knew him extremely well and loved him dearly. Idolized him, did you not? Yes. Yeah. You know, so he was the chief dearly. prosecutor for all that time as well, is that correct? Yes, sir. And then your father, Mr. Randolph, he became solicitor not long after that, is that correct? So this is the dynasty you're talking about, uh, 40-something years as a solicitor. And tell everybody what a, solic a solicitor is in that area, Karen, if you remember. It's, it's, the, it's the district attorney, and it's an elected position. Okay. When my grandfather retired because you weren't allowed to be solicitor after age 72, my dad took over, filled his unexpired term, and then he ran. And he became the chief prosecutor for this, this area right here as well? Yes, sir. And the firm was so successful because in that county, everybody that was in the jury box, they knew each other. And so everybody that the Murdochs would sue, they would sue them civilly in their own courtroom, essentially. And so it was rare that they, if ever, they lost a case uh, because they had the jury sewn up. Thoughts, Karen? Yeah, you know, that that's not justice. And um, now we have a very bright international spotlight on what they did, how they were able to do it. And, you know, you hope that that this is the end of that. Um, but as I was saying, you know, we don't know. We don't know yet. Um, but certainly it's, um, you know, certainly it's it's disgusting um and okay, you know i'm gonna pray with, i gotta go grab that phone call for a minute sorry hon okay okay gonna, how long was he yeah. solicitor I just gotta, from 1986 until 2006 until 2006 yes sir i actually worked a case with them about a guy who killed a trooper um, 
in your hair is so ingrained around here is that history of being the chief prosecutor and being part of the central part of the legal community. Is that correct? Did you agree with that? That my family's been a central part of the legal community. Yes, sir. I agree with that. And not only just the central part of the legal community, but the chief prosecutor for this area since 1910, I think, up until 2006. 1920. 1910 is when my great-grandfather started the law firm. The law firm. Sir. All right. So 1920 to 2006, correct? That's correct. An unbroken chain of being the chief prosecutor here, correct? That's correct. And then you went to law school as well, is that right? Yes, sir. And when did you uh, graduate from law school? 1994. 1994. Did you ever become a full-time officer? No, sir. And you, so you went into private practice, I think, with Mawson Coon, is that right? Yes, sir. And then you went to the former law firm that no longer exists because of your activities, correct? I started in 19... Sorry about that, everybody. Sorry, honey. Um, so what did I... We got some buffering going on. We got some buffering going on, so it was very bad connection. So we apologize. It was very choppy. Um, I mean, you could, we could see what, what was going on. The one thing that I just caught that I really didn't catch before, it was, what do you guys think when the prosecutor, Mr. Waters, acknowledged that he had a case with Alex's um, grandfather, or father, father or grandfather. And I thought that was, uh, it just hit me as, that's a, like a sympathetic, you know, movement, uh, expression, if you will. And I was now thinking like, dang, I wonder what the jury's thinking about that. Um, you know, I don't know what, what you guys think. I mean, obviously there's so many little pieces here. Uh, it's not going to be just one thing, you know, that's going to potentially um, cause somebody in the jury to, you know, obviously not, not, not to get a consensus here, but anyway, there's just, um, just watching this, as a journalist on the outside, um, you know, I guess it's all about who you're rooting for, but anything that looks like sympathetic for the prosecution to the Murdochs or the Murdoch family doesn't sit well with me. I don't know about you guys, but. So did, did he uh, get to the uh, lights and badge part yet? Not yet. Okay. He's getting there. He's getting there. Okay. All right. And by the way, everybody, um, that was Nancy Grace, her producer at 10 o'clock Eastern. They want me on tonight on a panel on Fox Nation. So after this, later on, if you get a chance, maybe you can watch. My question, if you would, please, first. What was your question? My question was that you started first with Moss and Coon. Go ahead and answer that one. Yes, that's correct. And then you went to the law firm that doesn't exist anymore that started in 19, but it doesn't exist anymore because of your activities, correct? That's correct. And as part of that, of your practice, you were a trial lawyer, correct? That's correct. Successful trial lawyer. I don't know about your adjective, but I, I was, you know, I guess so. Yes, sir. Do you okay, we're racking up some points here, I hope, in, uh, in the, the word salad game here.
So if you're just joining us, if you have a piece of paper, <clears throat> these are the words we're listening for. Uh, unintentional, I think, I believe, I don't know, I don't remember. I can't tell you details. I would have think, I would think, I would assume, I may have not, I'm not positive, but perhaps I could have. And to be clear, I'm certain, may or not be right. This is, you know, double talk, right? Not exactly sure. Yep. And uh, I know for a fact, I'm not sure. I'm not certain. I think so. And then we had some add-ons from our audience here. Um, I will this. I cannot dispute that. <laughs> and the list is getting bigger and bigger by the moment. Eight millions of dollars in legal fees? Yes, sir. But you won't tell this jury that's successful? If, if, that's, if that's the criteria, yes, sir, I was successful. So you'll notice what he does is he answers a question with a question. And by the way, that's like one of the biggest red flags in interrogation interviewing Homicide 101. Um, whenever a individual says, you know, is that, is, is that what you thought? Basically, that's obviously causing a deflection here. And so what we used to call that is he's qualify, they qualify, they deflect, and then they attempt to confirm their answer by your response. And the correct way to always um, answer that is to not answer. It's just to keep, you know, your lips sealed in the interview room. Uh, and you always make great progress because a guy like this he's a filler right he just he wants to fill in all of the blanks he wants to fill in all the blanks when the blue lights came up in court i immediately wanted to know who thought chris it blew it. thank you Gigi. uh you know what i'm i'm going to tell you here in a minute because i'm waiting for that part it's coming right up here it's coming well you won cases correct i did win cases settled cases sure i settled cases okay heard your former law partner say that you were a successful lawyer? I did hear some of them say that. Right. I think you even became president of the Trial Lawyers Association, is that right? That's correct. And when was that? I'm not sure of the exact year, but it would have been uh, in the 2015 range, 2014, 15, 16, somewhere in there. And in that role you were kind of uh, the president of the association of people who do trial plaintiffs work right yes sir who do jury trials correct well that, so that's I mean, that, part of it right yes sir that, that's that's part of it that's part of it. sitting down looking jurors in the eyes and giving a closing argument is that right yes and what kind of uh, cases did you normally do what, what just generally what subject matter i i did all kinds of cases. I did cases that, I mean, I, I handled some very big cases. Um, you know, I had a lot of cases where, you know, somebody, their, their cable company was billing them $20 more than they should have been. And I handled everything from that to the big cases and everything in between. All right. So the big cases, tell me about those. Those were typical plaintiff's work, all plaintiff's work, correct, for your big cases? 
Yes. Okay. And plaintiff's work is where, or there would be, say, for example, uh, automobile or truck accidents, correct? Or that some of it? All, every big case I ever had was automobile. Not, I mean, sir, not all of them were automobile wrecks. Were many of them? Sure. And if they, let's say, a, your, your plaintiff collided with a, like a UPS truck or a tractor trailer or something like that, you've had cases like that, correct? I have. And they led to very big recoveries. Is that Karen, thoughts? What are you seeing so far of how the prosecution's doing? Uh, yeah, he's, he's laying stuff out. Um, you know, he's going to be getting to um, mentioning Hakeem Pink Pinckney who was a quadriplegic that this Alex stole from um, the young girls who lost their mother in a car accident. And he stole from them as well, uh, making his friend Russell Lafif the conservator in a scam that took all their money from, that they received. So yeah, I think he's doing, he's doing a pretty good job. He definitely is right now. Let's, let's go back and listen. Correct. The UPS case that I handled? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. And as a part of that, um, thank you, Hopkins. Developing those types of cases, you were involved in investigating the facts of the case, correct? Yes. All right. And you were involved in gathering, let's say, telemetry data from automobiles, correct? Telemetry data? Like, you presented in this courtroom this week? Yeah. You never did that? I've never had a case specifically where the type data that y'all have presented in this case that I've used, but I've had data from automobiles. I've had from their essentially their computer. Phone star right. data. I've had data from the black box, mm -hmm. you know, but specifically telemetry data. I don't believe that I've ever had one of those. But on star and black box data, correct? Um what's mutter? I, I'm, I'm just asking. More so the black box event recorder. I mean, many times in a wreck, the, the event recorder will go back and tell you things leading up to the wreck. Sure. So, and I've been in numerous cases where those were involved. And you've had cases where cell phone evidence was relevant to your case? Sure. People's call logs were relevant to your case? I have had those. Cell tower location was relevant to your case? Yes. Computer evidence was relevant to your case? I'm sure I have, yes. See, what he's doing is, I think we all know, he's backing him into all the evidence that's been uh, tampered with and or has disappeared. He's laying a foundation for you have knowledge about all of this information. You know, the, the car data, the you know footprint of the cellular data uh, and so what he's doing is he's letting him uh you know run right there's an old saying you know it's e easier to pull a string than push a string and for you you give him enough room and he'll run on his own he'll run on his own uh, I do have to make a comment, though, that I saw Buster pretty clearly uh, in, I don't know if you guys saw it, 
but when they would pan over to Buster, he was, he was chewing his fingernails. You know, dad's talking about murdering mom and my brother, you know, as I just chew my fingernails in here. So that apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I would submit to you uh, that these two are two peas in a pod. And when'd you start with the uh, law firm? August of September of 1998. And you've been doing essentially that kind of work, more or less, up until September of 2021, correct? That's correct. To the point where you rose to be the president of the Trial Lawyers Association. I was the president of Trial Lawyers Association in around 2015, as we discussed. So can we agree now on successful? I mean, by those criteria, I was successful, certainly. I mean, I, we talked about a lot of my flaws here today, too. Do I feel like I was successful? No, sir. Not sitting here today, I don't. But it, it, if you want to use that term and, and on, on those criteria, I, I don't have any problem with you saying at that time it looked like I was successful. Do you think people viewed you as a, as a successful lawyer? I'm sure there were a lot of people that did. Do you think people viewed your family as very prominent? I believe that there were a lot of people that did, yes, sir. And did you think that a lot of people viewed you and your family as very prominent in the legal community here? I never thought of myself as prominent. I asked you if you thought if people viewed you that way. Let me ask you At that. the time, did I think people viewed yeah. me that way? Yeah, prior to everything happening. No, I, I don't think that I thought people viewed me as prominent. No, sir. I mean, I, like. Okay, what's your opinion on that, Karen? So he, he's laying this out very nicely, right? Big cases, prominent, prominent family, big, uh, big career, okay? And now, and then he's going to bring in the badge, the two badges, and the blue lights. And I think it's just painting a picture for the jury of what we started off talking about at the beginning here, this, this influence, this overreaching influence. Um, and it's, it was part of his persona, as we're going to find out here in a minute. Okay. A big shot? No, sir, I don't. Yeah, because we know they've got him on video, even at the boat crash. Uh, it's reported that he went around to all the different rooms where the kids were and the one gal um, wouldn't let him in and said, do not let that man in here. And he had the, um, go ahead. Right. That's the video where you can see we're getting ahead of ourselves. The badge hanging off of his, out of his pant pocket. Yep. Think that. What about your family? That my family thought we were big shots? No, sir, I definitely don't think that. Your family is prominent in this community. Prominent? Yeah. As in? It's not a hard question. Well, I, I'm just not sure, you know. Chris, let me just say I, one thing, just real quick. My family was very I, well thought of. I think Obviously, he's trying to downplay. He's trying to come up in his head off, you know, ad-libbing here um he's trying to downplay it for the jury because the the fall won't be as big if you will um but 
I don't think he's being very successful. He's trying to come off as humble and clearly he's not. So I, I'm thinking that people can see right through this. Yeah. Wilted lettuce. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think he's going to go for the pity play. Uh, that's what they're setting this up for. You know, yeah, that's exactly they're what setting, they're doing. They're setting it up for the pity play. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think the nation's buying it or the world. Uh, so he's, you know, the, this is a good observation, right? He, uh, uh, as Sam Cathy says, you know, he's trying to appear humble. And I don't think it's working. I don't think it's working. I think my family was respected. I think I, I do think he's trying to sell one juror. I really do. I uh, my feeling is if he can just get one, and I was a little concerned when it was reported. Um, I heard it on uh, Nancy Grace's show that one of the jurors had handed uh, either the bailiff or somebody to hand him. It was a box of Kleenex to hand him, and I thought, you know, in any murder case I've ever worked and jury trials I've ever been to, that's like shaking the hands with the juror. That's, uh, you know, influencing the jury, uh, even for the defendant to take it. Uh, it's, it's definitely not, not good. And, and I agree with Cheryl here, a lot of gullible people out there. Um, and you know, yeah, I think he did good on the stand as well, but I think he lied so much that when they get back into the jury room and they play this back and other things, um, he's going to get eaten alive, just like this word salad game tonight that we're listening to. My family helped a lot of people. Um, I'm not challenging you on any of that. I just with what did my family help a lot of people and was well thought of if, if if that's what you mean by that yes sir and that your family had a very long association with law enforcement yes sir and you had a long association with law enforcement yes yes okay um see how long it took him to get him just to say what the real answer was that's word salad Right? That's word salad. By, by association, I assume you're talking about friendships. Now he's yeah. not, only, not only just friendships, no. but also professional Opining. as well, correct? As a prosecutor? associations with law enforcement. As a prosecutor or as let's, a civil talk, attorney? Okay, let's talk about civil. Did you have associations with them in civil cases? Sure. I mean, uh, as we discussed, a lot of cases that I handled were wreck cases or might be a train wreck, a lot of highway patrolmen involved. There were a lot of local law enforcement involved. So, yeah, we mm -hmm. dealt with a lot of law enforcement in the civil practice. All right. And then you also mentioned that you were a prosecutor as well, correct? I was a volunteer assistant solicitor. Right. Uh, did your, so, uh, Irene, what word salad? Let, wait, wait, wait. Let, let, hang on, oh. Chris. Let's define what a volunteer assistant prosecutor really means okay uh, did you or your family or you, you want to go ahead 
yeah, it, he, he, well, we're going to find out he, his, his dad deputized him air quotes and he didn't get, if you're a volunteer, you're not getting paid. So it's not like he was, um, any, you know, he, he wasn't brought into the office, trained and given top cases. It's, it sounds like he never even got paid for this. He was a civil attorney. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, he's very cunning. I'm glad you guys are picking up on that. And he answers a question with a question. What he's doing is he's qualifying and deflecting. And then he waits to confirm his answers. And when the DA answers, he dovetails into that answer. It's a it's a very common tactic of those who are lying. Okay. They know the name. We yeah, exactly. So he's very slick. Law firm ever have events or parties or social affairs in which uh, the law enforcement community in this area was invited? I mean, sure. We the, the law firm itself didn't really sponsor things like that, right. but there would be occasions where one of us in the law firm, and certainly we all had a lot of friends in law enforcement, and they were always invited. Okay. And it's a simple point. You had a lot of friends in law enforcement, your family, and you had a long association with the law enforcement community in this circuit. Is that correct? Association being friendships and working relationships, absolutely. Okay. You see, he qualified it. And so that he's the helper or the salesman, right? We used to say, you know, five steps to a sale. Prospect, personalize, promote, create, and close. Okay. Those are that's the five steps to a sale. That's how car salesmen do it. Prospect, personalize, promote, create, and close. So hear hear what he said. You know, if you mean relationships and all this, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, then we're prominent in the in the in the neighborhood. Okay. Just answer the question. All right, well, let's talk about being a prosecutor. When did you become an assistant solicitor? I believe that I became an assistant solicitor when I moved from Beaufort to Hampton. Right. So that would have been September, sometime around September 9th, 1998. Might have been a little bit after that, but sometime. Did you get a badge when you came an assistant solicitor? At some point I did, yes, sir. And who gave you that badge? My father. Mr. Randolph? Yes, sir. And over the years, uh, did you prosecute criminal cases, much as what's going on here today? Uh, yes, sir. At times, I did. Right. And? I believe that I prosecuted in, from 1998 to 2001. I believe that. See, he's not positive. I believe. I believe. That's, uh, by the way, number two on the list. Uh, Keep going. I mean, 2021, I'm sorry. Until 2021, 1998-2021, I believe I was involved in five jury, I believe, I believe there were five trials. Five trials? Is, is the best that I can remember. And had, all, with my, all with my dad. That was really the purpose of me being assistant solicitor was get to spend time with him, do things with him. Sure. And you 
five jury trials over all that time, but you had a badge that entire time, is that correct? I had a badge for a big part of that time, yes, sir. You actually had two badges, right? I had one badge, but my, my, when my granddad became an assistant solicitor for my dad, when my dad became the solicitor, he had an assistant solicitor's badge. Right. When he passed away, I had his badge, and that was one of at some point in time, you were asking somebody about two badges, and that was the other badge. I got you. Wait, Chris, let's just point this out. Uh, it's worth pointing out for a second. Just pause it. The granddad was the mm -hmm. real solicitor. The granddad, you know, ran some kind of an election or not, regardless, became solicitor, did the work, was the actual prosecutor. Granddad dies and the son, Alex's father, as a family memento, whatever, gives him the badge. Or Alex said, hey, daddy, I want granddaddy's badge. Either way, he gets it. Either way, he uses it. He knows darn well what that badge means in the small town, the small hamlet of Hampton, South Carolina. He knows. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, you know, and again, we're talking, what's that? Yeah, exactly, ring. Annie. Great. I mean, <laughs> and, it, you and know, let's talk wait, about hang on it. Yeah, it go. would it would almost be funny, but it's deadly serious. They know what they were doing. He knows what the badge implied. Undue influence, not earned. This is all part of their whole scheme. Right. I mean, we'll get into this later. Showing up at crime scenes with the badge. We actually learn in a minute he had blue lights installed in his vehicle. Really? I thought only the police had blue lights on their vehicles. This whole perception, the whole perception of him is law enforcement. Yeah. And and, you know, you got to you got to give it to him for. You know, pretending. Right. I mean, it, he did, he did mention a Navy SEAL in the first interview, you know, so, and, you know, Shipley, I don't know if you've ever seen that guy's YouTube channel. The guy's fantastic. Uh, he's the real deal. He is a Navy SEAL and he goes around and he calls these guys out. It's hysterical. And so I, I just want to show you a, what a real police, I'm just going to show you my ID. Uh, if, you know, anybody on YouTube plays, a homicide detective, I covered up my personal information below it. But if they don't have something like this that actually says they were a detective in homicide, then uh, they weren't pretending they weren't. Yeah, it's 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 a it's, it's a game. And I, I also want to touch on one thing as well. He, OK, so out of these alleged five cases or five trials that Alec was supposedly and a, a volunteer assistant prosecutor, solicitor, he actually does one. He actually does one in 20 years. And guess what? We, we don't even know if that's true. So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's say it was. And then he was an you know, assistant on a few others. It, it, you know, it's, it's an unearned title. You know, this is, this is like, you know, a padded resume where you strip it away and you find out. There, these qualifications were never there. It was fictionalized. 
again, for a perception to look a certain way. Go ahead. Okay. Five criminal jury trials as a prosecutor, correct? Assisted in those or was doing them, yes, sir. I believe I was actually the lead lawyer in one of them. I helped my dad in the other four. Still part of preparing the case? Yes, sir. Still part of uh, gathering the evidence and putting it together for trial? Um, in, in a criminal case, we didn't do much of the gathering of the evidence. We took what law enforcement had gathered, but... But putting, putting it together for the criminal trial, correct? Yes, sir. Presenting evidence in court? Yes, sir. Giving jury argument? Mm, I, did in, I, I did the closing argument in one of them, yes, sir. Did you ever have any cases that you prosecuted that uh, went short of a jury trial, either pled out or were dismissed for some reason? You know, I'm sure that at some point over between 1998 and 2021 that I took some plea, but as we sit here today, I can't specifically remember that, and I don't ever remember working a case up for trial that didn't go to trial. I hope but I'm sure at some point in time, points. I was involved in some level on a, on a guilty plea or guilty pleas. And you'd agree with me that the civil system and the criminal system have a lot of differences, correct? A lot of differences and a lot of similarities. And a lot of similarities, and that's where I was going next. That fundamentally, it's about analyzing the evidence, preparing for trial, presenting that case, and making <laughs> your argument to the jury, correct? That's, that's a big part of it. And would you agree with me that as cases go on, uh, or as you pr are preparing for trial, that you analyze the evidence that's been gathered by law enforcement and present the evidence that, uh, that supports your case, correct? That's just part of it. Presenting evidence that you deem favorable for your position? Yeah. Question with a question. That you analyze the evidence and then you, you put in the evidence that supports your case. It's an ongoing process. Yeah, that's what you do. And same thing in a civil case, right? As you go along, you have evidence, uh, but you ultimately analyze that evidence, and some evidence makes the cut and some of it does not. Is that fair to say? As far as what you're trying to, I, I, I think we agree question. on that. We would agree on that. I think so. I'm not exactly sure what your question is, but I think I understand it. I'm just asking you that as a lawyer, as yes, you've been since 1994, is that right? That's correct. It's a simple question. You analyze the evidence that's been gathered, whether civil or criminal, and then present that in court. Is that correct? Yes. Right. That's part and of what that you do. That is an ongoing process as you prepare for a case. Is that correct? An ongoing process as you prepare for in criminal court or civil court? Either one. Well... Okay, remember the first, one of the first uh, concepts tonight we were going to be looking for was he, his qualifications, i.e. he qualifies. And he just, he, he basically asked the whole question backwards and then, you know, deflected and then he confirmed his answer in relationship to it. You know, you've got to give him an, um, an A for effort in the ability to master that, uh, you know, carnival barker skill. 
you know, he's the guy that will guess your weight uh, for $5 at the carnival. And then when he's wrong, he'll say, well, you know what, for another five, uh, I'll guess how tall you are. Okay, and you kick over another five. And then when he's wrong with that, he'll say, well, for another five, uh, you know, I'll guess, you know, how many, uh, you know, how many ears you have. Okay. And, you know, at that point, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to get this one, right? And you're holding a, you know, an ear of corn at the carnival. And he'll, you know, he'll say, you know, three. And you go, no, no, I got two. And then he'll point it out. No, you got three. Okay. Even though they're not ears. Okay. So, you know, there's always, you know, carnival music in the background, wherever you're around these guys. And by the way, I also want to talk about M.O. Not, people do crazy things. It doesn't mean there is reason to it. Um, I've had cases where I, I've had guys walk up to people, and I shared this on my channel before. Uh, I had a, a guy who was wearing a red hat playing baseball with his three kids, and this dude walked up on him, and boom capped him right in front of his three children. And I had him back in the room and I asked him, the guy's name is Quilly Harvey. You can look him up. He should still be in prison. And I asked him, I said, Quilly, what, what was up with all of this? You know what he told me? I didn't like his hat. That's all it was. I did not like his hat. So the fact that everybody is saying, well, you know, you know, we don't understand why he, you know, I can't see why he would pull the trigger and all this other stuff. Well, I can't either. I can't either. The evidence, though, is pointing up to this day, even this day. And I think the prosecution did a fantastic job of laying out the idea of holding back the most crucial information about this whole thing until he recognized what the timeline was, he wasn't down at that kennel. And then all of a sudden that video came up. And isn't it interesting that the second call the guy makes is to the guy who was supposed to get the video from Paul? And he picks up Paul's phone, incidentally, but he doesn't mention Maggie's phone. So, it, you know, he's classic. He's classic. The second interview, uh, I had an email today from uh, one of our viewers, Robin, who said at about the 13-minute mark, uh, he mentions uh, after, the, after what happened, and that was kind of like a big question mark. Well, what did, you know, Maggie went down to the kennels. Uh, I think Paul did, he says, and this is repeating him. The second interview, I went back and I watched it. And then he qualifies it with, you know, after what happened. 
um, there are just so many, so m- you, you think of circumstantial evidence again, not to belittle or, uh, you know, kick a dead horse, but just think if you had a single pencil, okay, just a single pencil. Now, if we used each one of our word salad words as deflection, if I was the district attorney, and I've seen incredible district attorneys do this, they come back for closing argument with every one of these words on the board. I believe, I think, I don't know, I don't remember, I can't tell you details. I would think, I would assume, I may have, not positive, but perhaps. And to be clear, I'm not certain, may or may not be right. Do you see where where all this is going? Not exactly sure. It sure helps to look at these reports. I know for a fact. I'm not sure. I think so. And you blow this up in front of the jury. And all of a sudden, these statements come alive. And every one of those words now becomes a cable in making, in making the uh, cable to hold a bridge. If I had a single pencil, I could break it. If I had a hundred pencils, I can't even budget. That's what circumstantial evidence is. And the fact that he held out to the very last moment is beyond telling. And if anybody thinks they're going to be sympathetic to just because some guy says he's got a pill problem, that he's not capable of blowing his son's brains out and then riddling his wife with, you know, two, two threes or 5.56 rounds. I, I, you know, Here's the music. He's playing you. He's playing you. He's a carnival barker. I mean, but there's there's a distinction because so, in civil court, wait, hang you on, have Chris, the just, just make one point. So, the prosecution, as you mentioned at the you know beginning of this, that we all know Alex lied about Alec lied about being there at the kennels that night everything else that i do think the prosecution did a great job all of these other lies right obviously the common sense tells you someone's gonna think well what didn't he lie about right and i think that's he's trying to help the jury in that regard in my opinion that you know there's a, a long long list of lies there's a long list of victims in this collateral damage that he's done. And so I think he's wanting to make, make it easy for the jury to go back there when they're in deliberating and to say, okay, he lied about being there. Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't have the murder weapons, um, you know, but he didn't come across as credible. And I think obviously that's where the prosecution is laying all this. 
And I think they have done a very good job. Along the way, we are seeing the show, the, the song and dance, the shtick, the every, whatever, you know, the, the shyster, somebody in chat called him, you know, those words. And, you know, it's being aired out nationally, internationally. We all see it. And, you know, this, I think this is going to point favorably for the jury. Okay. And, and you know what? And of course, everybody's innocent till proven guilty, right? In a court of law. But you've got to admit that the fact that uh, he did not mention that he was down there, you know, one of the things I didn't hear the prosecutor ask him is, is that your voice on the tape? He just got him to admit that he was down there. It would have been great to hear him ask him that one question, though. Whoops, I just lost that question. Um, there it is. Uh, the point my mind was uh, changed when he says, I did them so bad, just as he said in an interview, video thoughts, uh, looking beautiful, Karen. I agree with you 100%. Thank you, Summer. You're very kind. And of course, you know, he he gets, you know, some guy to come and say, yeah, he, he was saying they, they, they. Well, okay. So what? It was post-homicide. You know, he wasn't at the kennels. So why do we believe they, they? And, and the other thing, the other thing too, that's been missing from this entire defense, and we haven't heard a peep about searching for the the, uh, the killer where's the other killer or killers law you know we never had alec asking law enforcement i it, there was no attempt on his part or i should say very little that reward fund um press releases chris called it you know didn't fly most people didn't buy it um Again, I'm going back to the jury. I'm trying to get into their head. And I think they can, I think the jury, you know, we hope that they're going to be comfortable making the right decision. And if they do um, convict, they don't have the wrong guy. Yeah. And this is a good point here by Noto, right? Or proof that Paul's being threatened. And we now see all of these other things start to come out. I mean, the Netflix series just absolutely uh, is, is horrific. I mean, how many families do we all know as individuals, right, around us that have five dead people around them? You know, it, that's, that's really disturbing. To and say the least. Yeah, I mean, no, of course, it doesn't put the, the gun in his hands, but it also doesn't remove it. Yeah. the You know, and some of the best cases are dogs. Absolutely, they're the best witnesses ever. Dogs. I, I would have loved to see if he had dog hair on him, but of course, he would have had an excuse for him that night. You know, I, I think maybe that you know maggie and paul and he were up at the house they got in that golf cart or whatever it was they went down there and you know they're 
the guns were accessible. And, and by the way, that's another thing. How many criminals use the family guns to kill the family out down by the kennel? And then, you know, the, then those guns just miraculous, you know, they just disappear. They just disappear. Those guns are gone. Okay. But it's a word salad game to get around them. It's a word salad game to get away, to get around the digital footprint. You know, you know, how did Maggie's phone get five tenths of a mile away from his house? And, and then the other question is, why didn't they take Paul's phone if they took Maggie's? Why was Maggie's phone so much more important than Paul's phone? I mean, they, they shot Paul. And let's play devil's advocate. Let's, let's pretend there are two shooters. Let's pretend. Okay? Or let's say there are. Let's say. Let's, okay. Why did you leave the phones? Because these are the questions I would ask them. As a retired homicide detective, says right there, I would ask him, so um, why'd you leave the phone? Well, it was laying on his rear. Why didn't you just take it with you? You took, did you take Maggie's? Oh, yeah, man, we took Maggie's. Okay, well, why did you throw it out the car window then? Or, or how, did you, how did it get where it got? You know, oh, and by the way, did you see Alec, Paul, and Maggie down there? Yeah, yeah, we did. Okay, well, where were you hiding, and uh, how did you shoot them when he left? Who did you shoot first? You know, and then where did you get the guns? Right. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And guess what? That doesn't make any sense either. So when you start seeing word salad with hundreds of words, those are cables coming together. I, you know, because, right? The first question is, if you see a swimming pool in your backyard and you see a footprint on the concrete in water, did somebody come out of the pool? It's the same principle here. But here you have a guy on the stand actually saying, you know, for a year and a half, I was telling you I wasn't in the pool. I wasn't in the pool. But they saw that footprint going from the pool to the house. They saw a water footprint on the concrete. And then they, finally, the guy comes up and says, okay, I give. Yeah, I've read all the reports. I've heard all the testimony. And you know what? I need to tell you something. What's that? I believe, I think, I don't know, perhaps, I can't give you any details. I think I made that footprint. For a year and a half, you knew this? And that night, you didn't tell dispatch. You didn't tell your brother. You didn't tell your son. Or maybe you did. I don't know. There's a, on the Netflix video, 
they have drone footage of them taking weapons out of the house. You didn't you didn't tell anybody this, but today in court, as Waters, the prosecutor, in my opinion, did a fantastic job laying out. Today you decide that uh, you're going to tell us that. Today's the day. Today's the day, Alex. Alex. Yeah, exactly. He's so contradicting. Paul didn't have uh, an enemy in the world. Everyone loved him, yet people were threatening him. If you just look at his, if you just look at how they're walking that night on the pier in Buford, where he's stumbling over himself, and you could tell his, you know, the 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 ladies there, the young girls there, are fed up with him. Uh, why did AM mean? What did AM mean when he said he picked up Paul's phone and was going to do something? but then put it back. That is an excellent question, kisser of dogs. We love the, love your name too. I wonder if he said anything to them before shooting them. Well, I tell you what, one of the most chilling thought processes in my mind was I had, you know, the, the mind, the, the vision of this poor, whether or not we, we agree with what he did on the boat or whatever, but imagine turning just for a second and seeing your father there with a shotgun leveled at you. And then that first round go off and essentially miss because it hits him on the left side and you're not down and you start to move out. And the next thing you know, it, it's over. And I can only imagine what M Maggie was feeling or thinking that she probably was either A, running to her son's aid based on the positioning and then started capping her. He started capping her. And she goes down and then he runs up to her and coup de gras her. It's just horrific. Horrific. That, and then we're, we're sitting here with this car salesman and everybody knows he's not being 100% straight. And in fact, listening to him, when the DA pointed out all of the lies, all of the lies, and yet people are going, you know, he seems like a really nice guy. And uh, I, I just can't believe that he would have done this, so therefore he didn't do it. Okay. You know, you're entitled to that opinion. I, I don't have a problem with you having that opinion. But what does Paul deserve? What does Maggie deserve? What does Mallory deserve? What does Stephen Smith deserve? What does the caretaker deserve? It's amazing. It's amazing. They deserve justice. And sometimes Lady Justice is blind with scales. Okay. Gloria, thank you for reminding me of her name. I hope the jurors aren't afraid of the Murdoch family reach. I do too. I, I, I agree, Mark. I hope they're not afraid of the reach. 
Okay. Any thoughts, Karen? Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts, you know. Um, and and so let's, let's hope the, the jig is up. You know, let's hope let's hope justice is served uh, um, justice is served for these two victims. Uh, there's a there's there's a ton of collateral. I'm going to go back to collateral damage um, just in the bodies and these murders alone, let alone the financial crimes uh, with those repercussions. Yeah, he was not home during her incident. Yeah. So the question is, did somebody else do something? And by the way, we just hit 140. Thank you guys so much. Thank <laughs> We've you, got everybody. We're people so grateful. Here. If everybody would just hit the subscribe button, we'll be at 145 tonight. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate you. All right, I'm going to jump forward so on this. If you aren't allowed to time. any oath at all that I can remember, it would be on some paper that... Um, I may have had to sign, but I don't specifically remember doing that. All right. well, let's talk about it. Let's go back to 571. And, and on I, I just want to say something real fast about Miss Sophia. She's our team lead for our mods. If you guys didn't know, uh, we have the greatest mods. Uh, they've been with us from day one. And the Miss Sophia Maui girl, Teresa. M and Mimi J too. We absolutely love these women. They have kept us out of, they've kept me out of so much trouble. Uh, I am so we're grateful. so grateful for, we, we both are for their time and dedication and everything they do and helping to keep chat classy. And um, they're just amazing women. And we're so thankful for all of you. Yeah. Thank you. We really are. What are those right there? Are those the, uh, an ID card with your picture on it? Uh, yes, sir, that is. All right, and at the top. So we would call this guy Officer Friendless. He's a phony. On that top, leave it in there if you would, please. Can you not see it? I can, but I was just going to see what's on the back. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you, Greg. All right, and it's got your picture on it, got your name on it? Uh, yes, sir, that does have my picture and my name. All right. Good. Put that one back for me, please. All right. So you want to look right. at this top one? Look at the top one. Okay. What what office does it Wait, say stop. that stop you are second. on that top one right there? Chris, who's who's running this right here? Okay. He hands him the uh, Waters hands him the card. Asks him a question. Alec flips it over. Oh, I'm just checking this out, right? I mean, he, this guy is what, what do you call him? Takeover. Right. He's on the stand. He's asking, being asked questions. And yet he's trying to run the show. Little tiny examples. And this is a great example of that. Yeah, absolutely. And this is it goes back to he qualifies to flex and then attempts to confirm his answers. Good observation. Hun. Good job. That's one of the many reasons I love her, everybody. She's so smart. All right, here we go. State of South Carolina solicitor, the solicitor of the 14th Judicial Circuit. 
it says that I, as solicitor of the 14th Judicial Circuit, I do hereby certify that it has your name, right? Mm -hmm. And it has all that data. Uh, what, what position does it say that you're appointed to? As the okay, it says that as solicitor of the 14th Judicial Circuit, I do certify that Richard A. Murdoch was on July 1st, 2013, appointed as the Deputy Solicitor of Allendale, Beaufort, Colleton, Hampton, and Jasper Counties in and is authorized to enforce the laws in the 14th Judicial Circuit of South Carolina. Awesome. Can I hold it back? And it's, yes, sir. Signed by Duffy Stone. Signed by Duffy Stone. So Deputy Solicitor, is that correct? I was never a Deputy Solicitor, Mr. Waters. That's what that says, but I, I, I've never been a, a deputy solicitor, unless deputy solicitor is. I, I wasn't at them kennels. At no point was I ever down there. Oh, wait, here, let me show you this badge and tell me what you think. Well, I got to be honest with you. I've never been a deputy solicitor. Okay. I just carry this around in my car okay, and my, my, my uh, wallet, you know. The, the, these are real. You earn these. Okay. You earn but these. He's, Chris, he's only coming clean because he's on the stand on international television being confronted with this. Obviously, prior to even 2013, this guy walked around, drove around Hampton County with his deputy, deputy solicitor badge that he never was. And again, undue influence, right? He had half the town scared, if not everybody, you know, and again, this goes, I think the prosecution did a very, very good job of laying out, you know, what this guy was all about. And again, it goes back to the long list of lies and, you know, can the jury believe when he's asked point blank, did you kill Maggie? Did you kill Paul? And he gives those answers right everybody can come to their own conclusion on how they think he answered that but again you know th this badge thing is small but it's huge at the same time yeah it's like you know we've got we've got many members here that have served faithfully in the military and we honor them always we've got many nurses and doctors and you know teachers that basically, you know, if this guy, essentially what he's doing is he's just taking this profession and he's destroying it by saying he's something that he's not. And th that in of itself should just, these should be huge, you know, things going off, right? Um, these should be huge red flags going off with the jury, I hope. That you know what, if this guy's doing this, you know, what what else is he doing? I mean, we we see all the time. We used to see these guys drive around with a little, you know, bubblegum lights and all this other stuff. And we'd pull them over and say, you know, officer friendless, get out of the car. What are you doing, man? Chris, let me let me comment on Joseph's comment here. Um, you know, I would say that there's no such thing as a perfect prosecution. Yes, of course. Prosecutors would love if if investigators, police had the murder weapon and, you know, uh, it, perhaps Alex's cell phone data and so many other things. 
They have to use what they have. And what, here's a what if, flip it. What if prosecution said, well, gosh, we're waiting for the murder weapon. We're waiting for cell phone data that may never come. Um, do we not prosecute him? So it goes both ways for folks. Just remember that. Yeah, it's, it's, got, it's a two-edged sword. It's a two-edged sword. But his seems to be very consistent with 20 years of behavior. I was a volunteer assistant solicitor. And as far as I know, Sean Thornton has been the only deputy solicitor that Duffy Stone had. And it's a simple point. It says deputy solicitor, but deputy solicitor is a higher rank than assistant solicitor, correct? To your understanding? That's what I think. Yeah. And, and, and that was Sean Thornton. I've, I've never been deputy solicitor, even though that does say that. All right. I agree with you. And that was signed by Duffy Stone, not by me. I understand. This is what was given to you. That's what was given to you. I mean, through this whole long thing. Wait, stop. Stop. I'm going to point this out for just a second. Just a second. You see what he does? He's caught with a badge. It's like a fake ID. He's caught with a fake ID. So what does he do? doesn't take responsibility he blames the, the sheriff who signed it right how about the conversation what that probably perhaps may have taken place hey sheriff can you sign this this badge for me can you sign this you know i just whatever yada yada how do we know that he didn't bring it to his attention either way either way it stinks but again he's you know he instead of taking full responsibility saying you know what it was wrong you know, whatever, it would have been nice if the prosecutor said, you know, it's a felony to impersonate a law enforcement official, whatever, yada, yada. He didn't. And Alex is blaming it on the sheriff who signed the thing. Just like he blamed his law partners, just like he blamed the bank. You know, these people are all in cahoots with him. And again, when he's confronted, so immature, you know, I can only imagine what this guy did as a, as a child. He, he deflects and he, he doesn't, you know, he won't take the blame until it's crashing down in front of him at his feet, served up to his feet. And that's when we go, when we hear, I lied, I lied, I lied. Going to, when the prosecution presents the extremely long list of loved ones, family members, people close to him, trusted, you know, clients who trusted him about how he lied. Yeah. And, uh, you know, let's talk about the two gun theory again. <clears throat> my, my theory on the two gun theory is you can have, uh, the, you know, the blackout with a sling on you across you in the ready position. You could have the shotgun. Boom. Boom. You can drop the shotgun for a second, come up with the AR and boom, 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 boom. It can be over and 10 seconds, both of them. So two gun theory in my mind is not out of whack at all in terms of one shooter, one shooter, one shooter. Law enforcement community, but this was given to you not by your father, but by a successor, correct? Well, no, sir. I believe we got to this because you were talking, asking me if I took an oath and mm -hmm. I don't remember taking the oath. And then you started asking me about these things. Okay. And you agree that this card says deputy solicitor, right? I agree that card says deputy solicitor. All right. Would you agree with me that it says on the back that 
It is reposing special trust and confidence in your ability, care, prudence, and integrity. Is that what it says on the back of this? Mm, I mean, if, if you're, no, sir, I mean, I, I trust, if you're reading that off the back of that, I, I assume that it does. I assume. It's on our list. You were reading off of the one that uh, the one that Duffy Stone gave me, correct? Yeah, and then the one at the top. Where did that one come from? He's he's qualifying. <laughs> There's his badge and his ID. He's qualifying, right? He's deflecting, and then he'll attempt to confirm his answer, just as I mentioned. To bring it back to you? No, sir. I think I can see it. That it's would not be focused very well. That's okay. I mean, I, I, I know what it is. I looked at it when you handed it to me. So the, the, the card on the bottom is what I got from Duffy Stone. The one on the top, and, and, and the one on the top should give you a better. Oh, there we go. All right. So the one on the top was what came from my dad when he was solicitor. The one on the bottom is what came from Duffy Stone when he was solicitor. And Duffy Stone took over after my dad retired in 2006. Duffy Stone filled my dad's unexpired, the rest of his unexpired four-year term, much like my dad filled my granddad. So, and then Duffy became the solicitor. Did you ever have lights in your vehicle? In the, in the particular vehicle? No, that, in, any, in vehicle. any vehicle. Yes, sir, I did. Was that a government vehicle? Uh, no, sir, it was not. When did you have lights, like blue lights and stuff? Yes, sir, I had some blue lights. When did you have blue lights? And let me remember, you did five cases over 20 years, and you had blue lights in your vehicle, but it was a it was your private vehicle, correct? Well, it, it was the vehicle that I drove. It was a law firm-owned vehicle. The law firm's own vehicle. So how would you get blue lights in there? I had them installed. And who installed them? I believe that uh, Eddie Gibson installed them. And who was that? He's the guy who um, apparently does uh, blue light work. Apparently, Eddie Gibson does blue lights. You guys, everybody get that in uh, Hamilton County? Uh, Hampton County. Hampton County. Hampton County. Everybody get down to the blue light special because everybody's getting blue lights on their cars, according to Alec. Work for most of the sheriff's departments in the 14th Circuit and a lot of the um, police departments. And did you... When did you have that installed, do you recall? Was Can't, it one vehicle or more than one vehicle? Let's start with that. I believe I had it in, I believe I had blue lights in one vehicle. I believe. When did you have that installed, do you think? I'm not sure. It would have um, been. I mean, the, five years, ten years? No, nah, here, here I can give you a time frame. Okay. The vehicle that I was in on, that, that, that got uh, taken in on June the 7th, mm -hmm. I got that vehicle sometime around 
December, late December or January. So I'd had it for six months. Mm -hmm. I would have had the previous vehicle for five years. That's how long we kept vehicles in the law firm. So I would have had it for five years. And, it, and, and sometime during that five-year period, I had license. Did you ask the sheriff at the time if you could do that? I did. Who was that? I believe it was T.C. Smalls, mm -hmm. um, and I believe in Colleton it was Andy Strickland. In Colleton it was Andy Strickland? And I believe in Allendale it was Tom Carter. <clears throat> Were you friends with Andy Strickland? Yeah, I was friends with Andy Strickland. And you, you said, hey, I'm going to get some blue lights installed in my vehicle, and he said, that's cool. Or words to that effect. I mean, that doesn't sound like the words that he would have used or I would have used, but I certainly asked him, and he certainly said it was okay. It was okay. All right. Chris, I have a question for you. Wait Go a minute. Ahead. In your 40 years plus in law enforcement, all those years in homicide, have you ever seen a lawyer pull up to a crime scene, pull out a badge, and show up with blue lights on his personal vehicle to any crime scene you've ever processed, you've ever been at? No. I worked over 300 murders. Now, DAs have badges, but they don't have blue lights and sirens and I don't know. Well, I don't even know if this guy had a siren. Did he have a siren? If he's got blue lights, he's got, he's got, he's going to have noise in it too. But well, no. you just said D you just said DAs and he just told us he did one case in 20 right. years and we don't even know the veracity of that one. So this right. is a non, non-working plaintiff's attorney, non-prosecutor showing up with a badge and blue lights. Well, it's his dad's badge too. You know, it's a pass along card. You know, it's like, you know, here, you know, hey, son, I've got this stuff in my uh, scrapbook. Do you want it? Yeah, dad. Can I attach it, you know, to my hip and show up at the hospital for the death of a 19-year-old little girl, young woman, bright future, amazing mind. Yeah. And then yeah, walk Yeah, power, power, influence, undue influence. Yeah. There you go. That's right. Yep. Five good, good old, good old boy network. Exactly. Yep. It seems that exactly. way with him. I love the way he looks down and then he looks over at his attorneys like, okay, we're going to have to work through this. Along with Sheriff Smalls and I believe Sheriff Carter. I'm not positive about Sheriff Carter, but I believe so. You see, he gives you an answer and then he says, I'm not positive. I believe so. So it's like either you are or you aren't. And you'll notice what's interesting about that. If you take him back to the first night into the police car and he's sitting there, he has the exact same verbiage describing the death of his son and his wife. Talking about pawpaw. And how, you know, he couldn't get all this facts straight. And you'll notice that one video we did earlier 
Karen, when you could watch him look over at the um, the detective writing the sled guy, and uh, you could watch his eyes look over at what he was writing down. He was selling. I mean, as you know, we call it soggy bread. It's like, you know, selling soggy bread here, anybody buying soggy bread, you know. And, you know, some people got upset with me in the chat. You know, why would you say that? Well, be, well here we are. This is why I said it. You know, l listen to him. He can't even accept the fact of looking at the jury straight in their eyes and saying, you know what, this is another one I should just say. Uh, you're right. I shouldn't be doing this and I shouldn't have done this. You got to go through a whole bunch of word salad. You know, you got to go ride a carousel. You know, you got to jump on a carousel to get, uh, you know, to the place where you need to be. You know, it's it's for him. This is the murder of his wife and his son. And he's on trial for that murder. You would think. And this is what innocent people do is they lean into you and they say, what are you talking about? Detective? I did none of that. What do you want me to do? I'll show you. And they get looking just like that for him. He's looking down, you know, he's looking away or look over for confirmation. He'll word salad you, you know, and I love some of these. I may have, I'm not positive, but perhaps. What does that mean? That's three answers in one sentence. Okay? You know what that means? They call it deception, right? They call it deception. You want to answer that question, hon? That's right. He, what, he has not used the word murder. That's, a, that's exactly right, Tracy. Yeah. He's not used the yeah. word murder. And he really doesn't answer it. He doesn't answer it. He repeats it back and says, you know, I never would. That kind of thing. So um, I think it's telling. I think it's very telling. So I used to I used to have a little thing that I would do with guys like this. And I would get a piece of paper and a pen out. And now all the fake cops can copy me. You'll hear them repeated, I'm sure, later on. I would take a pen and paper out and I draw a little mountain just like that. I'll say, okay, you know, the goal here and the objective here is to get to the top of the mountain. The only way we get here is if you tell the truth. Okay. You're with me on that. And you know, criminals aren't the sharpest tools in the shed sometimes. And this guy was pretty, he, I mean, I'm giving him way too much credit, but um, you know, they would ask you, you know, how do I get to the top of the mountain? Basically, every time you lie, okay, you come down. And what they don't understand is in lies are good. Lies are very important. Lies are extremely important for an investigator. And I give that sled guy in the first interview and the second interview just kudos for allowing him to run as far as he did. And let him light up the narrative to where now that narrative, people are looking at it and going, well, that's not what he said. And so he's adapting and improvising as he's going on. I wonder if the blue light was borrowed from Dab uh, in the Stephen Smith case. That is a great question. 
Uh, I don't have that answer. But I'll tell you what, that case is going to be pretty interesting. Uh, that's getting a lot of traction and a lot of news um, coverage. So thank goodness. Thank goodness SLED reopened it. I had dated Paul for a long time, and I went to Morgan. Um, Morgan had an injury to her hand that, 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 was, that was bad, and she was very upset about Mallory. And there, here he's talking about the boat issue. Remember, the, this is the whole thing for him. The boat issue is so critical for him, so critical for him, because, you know, he's got to clear Paul's name. Go ahead. And this, this is pure, it's pure deflection. And um, if you watch that Netflix series and you see the interview with Morgan, um, pretty interesting that he even brings her up on the stand in his murder case. Let's listen. Um, and they were working on her, so I left her room. I went back to Paw Paw. At some point in time, I noted I went to Connor's room, and I believe those are the only rooms I went to. I believe. But again, I, I don't. I can't tell you that with certainty. While you're wearing that. Back. Okay, did everybody just hear that again? Word salad. Okay, word salad. I believe he answers it. Word salad right there. But I can't be sure certain. So he basically double, triple talks almost every time. So what you have to do with a guy like this is you have to stop and say, okay, well, let's break that down. What did you mean when you say, I believe? Let him answer. And then you say, what did you mean when you say, um, perhaps? Let him break it down. And then what did you mean when you say, I'm not certain? And with a guy like this, you have got to be that minutia, okay, in everything that comes out of his mouth. Because when you do that, you get a list like this. And this list is very powerful because now everybody can hear it. And it's not just listening to him, you know, talk. Uh, his lettuce is very sally, uh, soggy. I agree, Catherine. Badge like that? Did you tell any any of the kids who were in the boat wreck not to cooperate with law enforcement? I never told anybody not to cooperate with law enforcement. Whether I had a badge hanging out my pants, mm -hmm. didn't have a badge, or any point in time. See, he just said, if I had a badge hanging out my pants, didn't have a badge. So he gives a double negative to a positive. He's constantly moving the ball. Okay. It's like a tennis match. But look at his and eyes by, right here. And, look where he, And by the way, we have video proving that he's lying. <laughs> just just saying. He's but they're about to play it. They're about to show it. Did him. I tell anybody don't cooperate with law enforcement? Did you become aware in March or April or May of twenty one? 2021, shortly before June, that an investigation into the investigation of that night had begun, as well as your conduct? Yes, yeah, some I, I, did learn, I did learn that. Okay. I don't know the status of that uh, investigation, being it. I've been charged with so many things and haven't been charged with that. I'm assuming that 
there may not be charges. Well, whether or not you were aware that that had begun in the spring of 2021. Yes, sir. I, I was aware. Well, at some point in time, I became aware of it. Was that the spring? Was it, you know, February, March, April? I know it was after, after, um, I, I know it was after that night. And it was before June 7th. Before June 7th. I thought the DA. I'm pretty sure that I, I, I already, I'm pretty sure that I already knew that. Did I? All the DA does is just pour the blood in the water and let the sharks, let the shark come up to the boat. And, and he can't help it. On June 7th. You mentioned Andy Strickland. Do you know what happened to him? Do I know what happened to him when? How he lost his job? As sheriff? I believe that when he was charged, I can't, I, I don't know if he resigned or he was um, suspended. Okay. Do you remember if that was a few months prior to you becoming aware of an investigation? into the investigation of this boat case, including you? Do, do I know what when Andy now? Strickland was charged and lost his job, was that a few months prior to you becoming aware of the investigation into this incident that's on the screen? A few months prior? Mm -hmm. um, I don't really know this for a fact, but I mm -hmm. believe as I'm sitting here today, I believe that Andy was charged back in the fall. Um, and, li and like I said, we learned about when uh, we, I've testified about when I understood that. Okay. Susan, you win in my mind. His new nickname is Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> this is beautiful. Razzle dazzle. Okay. That's just me speaking, honey. You you may have a different one, but I like that one. It was an investigation into whether or not I was acting in a um, public manner or whatever. Whatever it was y'all investigating. Public corruption or, or, or that. So if it was a couple of months, mm -hmm. if it was a month or two when Andy Strickland got charged, mm -hmm. then, if, if, I mean, if you show me that, I'd be, I'd be surprised because I think it was, I think, I think he was charged before that. All right. But you're, this was a friend of yours, correct? The guy who, who you asked if you could put lights in your car in a private vehicle, correct? Well, I mean, Andy, yeah, I could. Considered Andy a friend. I considered TC a friend, and I considered Tom Carter a friend. Sure. All of whom I asked if I could put lights in the vehicle. All right. And so, yes, sir. I mean, and I considered Andy right. a friend. Would you at least agree with me that in at least the fall of 2020, your friend Andy Strickland was indicted and lost his job for a financial and corruption investigation? Objection, Your Honor. Relevance.
what letter wait, grade? Wait, wait, Chris. Wait a minute. Oh. What did the you cut the judge off? Let's hear uh, if the judge Your Honor, allowed I think it. There's a link between uh, his knowledge of that and what he's admitted that there was an investigation going on uh, in the months prior to the murders. Further. I mean, the question is something about Andy Strickland being indicted. I just don't see the relevance, Your Honor. I sustain the objection. All right. We can at least agree that you were aware prior to the murders that there was this investigation, correct? The one on the screen. The one related to the boat, the investigation to the boat case. I, was I, I aware that y'all have started an investigation into what I did in the hospital prior to the, June the 7th? Yes. I believe that to be correct. All right. And if it wasn't before that, it was shortly after it. You I testified that uh, you've had a pill addiction for approximately 20 years, correct? I think that's, I think that's about right. And so when did you start stealing money from clients? How long did it take before yeah, you started? They're going to do the razzle-dazzle on all I, the money. I admit candidly in all of these cases, Mr. Waters, that I took money that was not mine and I shouldn't have done it. Okay, so he, that's a total deflection from him. Uh, okay, so he's... We got it. They got him. They own him on the money. They got him to cop out to that. And that way, when they charge him with the federal charges, they probably won't even have a trial. They'll just say, look, you've already, you've already copped out to this, but knowing him, if he, if he walks on this situation, which I'm, you know, good grief. I hope, you know, I know I have faith in the good people in South Carolina. I really do. I love these people here. Karen and I have lived here for quite some time and, you know, they're just beautiful people. He is not, by the way, and this is another good point, I think, he is not an example of what good South Carolinians are all about. These people over here are rock solid salt of the earth, and this guy is a an embarrassment to the state. Uh, he really is, in my opinion. Now, I don't know about the other people. I'm not, you know, commenting on them. This is just my opinion. He's on trial. He's innocent till proven guilty, but he's not doing himself any favors. And he's got 71 charges, if 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 not more, on the federal stuff. So they're going to nail him on that. And that's what I think he's doing. He's he's pulling out this one idea of okay, if I go down for this, if I go down for this, then uh, it's got the same amount of time, which everybody knows and. Nancy Grace has been pointing this out for weeks about everybody knowing that if he goes down for the financial stuff, they're going to bless his heart at some point and he's going to walk and he got away with killing his wife and his son if he is guilty. And so that's why they're trying to double stack him here and they got a new charge on him. Karen, what's the new charge? So, um, um, I don't know if it's confirmed, but there's definitely news reports on it. So, um, you know, we don't want to speculate, of course, ever. But 
um, there's a report that a family member, an unnamed family member in the courtroom on Friday, handed his defense team an item that was given to Alex, Alec Murdoch. So I think we have to stay tuned tomorrow morning. I think obviously this will have to come up in open court with not the jury present for Judge Newman to address. Um, we hope, you know, I mean, if, if, if it's true. Okay, nothing wrong clarifying questions. Okay. Uh, $4,098,000. $4 million in legal fees that you would have gotten from this settlement. Is that correct? $4,098,000. Yes, sir. And in the end, that wasn't enough for you, correct? Was that enough for you? Was that enough for me in that case? Yeah. I mean, was four million over four million dollars in legal fees that you received uh, that would have been attributable to you through the law firm at the end of the year, whatever it worked out to be, but you would have been credited with over four million in fees for that. Is that correct? That's correct. And was that enough for you? Was that enough for me? Mm -hmm. Or did you take more? Oh no, from I, 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 I took monies from Hakeem Pinckney that I that did not belong to me, that I should not have taken. Been rendered a paraplegic. No, sir. He was a quadriplegic, quadriplegic. unfortunately. Thank you for correcting Yes, sir. That's enough to tell you right there what kind of character this guy is. What's his moral fiber? Whether he's on drugs or not. I know a lot of drug addicts who steal, lie, cheat. They do everything they can because the addiction is so horrific and their tolerance is kicking in. Okay. And it's, and they're going through, you know, withdrawals and all this other stuff. But you know, one, something people don't understand about opioids, you don't die from opioid withdrawals. You cramp, you sweat. You go through all this other things, but you know what you can die from? Alcohol, DT. Try, try coming off of alcohol. Watch, watch an alcoholic versus an opioid addict. Okay. And an alcoholic can die because their bodies go into all kinds of problems. But people on opioids... You know, they, they, that's why they give them the juice program, right? You get a, what they call a juice card and you go down and you hit it every morning and it, it's got a plasma life or it stays in your, your system for 24 hours. An opioid addict needs, depends on their tolerance, but they start out every four to six hours they have to fix. And then that can drop down to as low as two hours to three hours for a fix. So if that's two to three hours, it depends on how many milligrams they're using in a single night, a single day. Okay. And by, by the way, uh, I went through the DEA School of Narcotics Investigator in 1985, and I was a vice detective from 84 through 86. So I used to buy dope. I used to play the game. 11550 is the California, you know, H&S uh, 11550 is the under the influence uh, and, you know, opioids, you'd look at their 
pinpoints and 2.9 to 6.9 centimeters is a normal size range and anything below 2.0 is an opioid okay and if they look like a couple of cannons cannonballs then they're probably high on coke or meth or something to that effect okay. but this guy was a functioning opioid addict and let's say he was hitting you know maybe four or five pills every four to six hours or let's give them a benefit of the doubt every two to four hours okay so that means every 12 hours he would have a total consumption of less than 60 a day a day where did he come up with this two thousand two hundred thousand dollars a month opioid addiction and he's writing checks to his dope dealer. I don't know about writing checks to your dope dealer. And, you know, but he said he had 100 a day. So we divide that by 24, right? Or, you know, we just cut that in half. So by 12, you know, 50 every 12 hours, 50 tabs. So 12 into 50, four. So he's taking four at a time. Four at a time, that's, that's about right. So, you know, a person can take 30 a day. I believe that. Yeah, no question about it. So that's about 150, uh, 50K they said a week, so that's 200,000 a month. I don't know, it, it's usually, it was usually by the... You know, five dollar pill. It all depends. I mean, and he was on oxy, right? So he's way, way off on his numbers. He's way off on his numbers. Way off on his numbers. Either way, we know he's functioning. And he was probably functioning that night, evident in the fact a couple hours after his wife dies. He's able to sit in the police car and talk to the cops. He's able to call 911. He's able to drive over and see his mother. He's able to have a great day with his son, drive him around the farm that day. The, which the, never happened. Which right. never happened. Right. Based These on the things. time that Paul showed up. Right. These happened. are the things he's saying, right? Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there he is. He's popping oxy. Oxycontin and oxycodone. They're just sisters of each other. Schedule fours. And somebody with this kind of influence, quite frankly, could probably go to a doctor and get a doctor to write the scripts. Look at uh, who was the uh, radio, Rush, 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 Limbaugh. Mm -hmm. You know, he had, a, he had an oxy problem. And guess what? He was having a, he was having a doctor write him scripts. Okay. I will be surprised. And he, he was functioning, though. He was functioning. Yeah, exactly. Anyway. Thank you, Sherry. They are. I agree with you 100%. And by the way, they're good people. That doesn't mean they're bad people. This guy's a bad guy. I, met, I know many and have arrested many, you know, people who were... Good people stuck in a bad situation.
I can't tell you when I work Vice how many girls on the street were popping just to kill the pain. Right? So this this part of the video right now is the collateral damage that I, I like how the prosecutor is using this, weaving it in to the story and what he's conveying to the jury. Um, and there's a long list of real victims in addition to the murder victims, in addition to Maggie and Paul being dead and these other mysterious deaths surrounding him. But there's a long list of real victims of people. Um, Hakeem Pinckney is just one of a huge long list. Yeah. And, and Justy, I think it's an, uh, Justy EA, why is this an issue for him? That is a great, I don't, that's a great question because he needs, he needs to blame it on somebody. He need or, or something. I I know many addicts that are on opioids, which are depressants, by the way, right? As we all know, okay, they actually slow you down. They don't increase your energy levels. They actually slow you down, and they kind of mellow you out. I mean, we've all been in the hospital, and you say, "Hey, give me that good stuff. Give me that codeine three. You know, get me out of here for a back pain." you know, flexoril and that kind of stuff. But oxys are, are hardcore. And he, he just needed to, uh, you know, push it out the window, I in my opinion, to blame that for, uh, you know, the whole problem. The whole problem. <clears throat> what are you reaching about? Help me understand you. Where, where are you reaching? Hey, I appreciate you. Yeah, if they're on meth, right? If they're on meth, look what's happening right now with fentanyl on the street and crocodile and all this other stuff that's out there. They look like zombies. Hey, that's the next wave here, by the way. We haven't noticed, and you got to we'll get up to Philly. Go to Kensington and Philly. Looks like a war zone up there. Go to L.A. Go, you know, we can go down into uh, Skid Row in L.A. <clears throat> go to First Street in San Diego. Go to any major city in the country. Go to Polk Street in San Francisco. Looks like a war zone. It looks like a war zone. You know, this isn't, this isn't new. I was on the streets in the 80s and the 90s cleaning up all these you know, dope-related murders. You know, I was working the cartels in the 90s. So, you know, down in the, in the Mexican border. I mean, remember, I did my career in Southern California. Trust me. Been there, done that. Not my first rodeo here in, with this guy in South Carolina. This was not a cartel hit. That's another problem. I mean, good grief. Don't blame the cartels for something they didn't do. They'll tell you if they did it, because you'll know. What I mean by that is you'll be able to tell. It, it, you will be able to tell. All right, so we're two hours into this. Karen, what else should I cover, Bear? Well, I think we're, we need to wrap so it up. Uh, I think, um, you know, this goes on, of course. Um, actually, I would, I'm just going to add one thing and maybe kind of cut to the chase here. I thought it was very effective when Prosecutor Waters 
reads off a list, starting with Maggie and Paul, and he asks them the same question and then puts in the name. You know, did you lie to your family? Did you lie to your law partners? Did you lie to your clients who had your trust? And he goes on and on and on and on. I thought that was very effective. I thought it was a really good move um, playing to the jury. And I think it will have an impact in the long run. Yeah, it's, um, this is another good point. He has all his teeth. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, the three precursor, three precursors to meth, right? So there's three chemicals that make meth. And then, uh, you know, we, we had the, in the 80s, the early rise of the coke and crack. And it just kind of expanded from there. They get coca bugs. You guys know what coca bugs are? Everything is itchy. And it's like this, you know, how you doing, officer? Good to see you, you know. But one of the things I want to tell you real fast, because I'm kind of offended by this guy, not me personally, but the fact that he blames drugs for all of his de decisions. Uh, yeah, they'll burn, they'll burn you up. Um, it takes a long time, though. And, and he's got, he said he was been on this for 20 years. You would think he would look like a train wreck but he doesn't. He's got all his teeth. That's what I meant by that. But you're right, uh, Missouri country girl, thousand percent. But where I'm going with this is, you know, one of the, one of the uh, gals on the street years ago, um, I was the last person to see her alive. And she had a big time, her name was Valisa Ray Joy. She had a big, big time opioid problem. She was chasing the needle, as we used to call it. And she had a real problem. This guy didn't have real problems. He had problems, but he lived a privileged, privileged life. This young lady was found with her life taken. And there are a lot of people like that that have addiction problems but they don't kill other people and blame the addiction problem on that. Not like him. So let's hope that tomorrow, you know, he's innocent until proven guilty, i.e. tomorrow. Okay. And let's hope the jury sees right through this. And uh, I cannot wait to hear the closing arguments and then we're going to come back and we're going to go through that, see where we're at. Until then, let's continue to be good to each other, take care of each other. Uh, if you have a friend who needs help or in trouble, you know, reach out to them. Pull them out of it if you can. Pull them out of it if you can. Hey, uh, any other thoughts, Karen? Thank you all for being here. And uh, stay safe and have a great night, everybody. Aloha, everybody. We love you guys. Please hit that like, subscribe, and please share this video out there. We are eternally grateful for it. And have a great night. Let's go to Hawaii. Hard working every day.
Facing away. 